This is the water. And this is the well. Oh yeah. Drink full and descend. Oh yeah. The horse is the white of the eyes and dark within. Oh yeah. This is the water. And this is the well. Drink full. And descend. Hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition podcast where we will be going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the greatest TV show to uh, really tell in big long stories like Star Trek never did. Anyways, uh, with me as always is James Nolan. Hey guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello gentlemen. My name is Wade Bowen and Yes, we are talking about one episode called Homefront. Yes, Homefront is episode 10 of season 4. It originally aired January 1st, 1996. What a way to kick off 1996. Mm -hmm. um, and the IMDb description... New Year's, huh? What's that? New Year's Day, really? Yeah, January 1st, 1996. Oh, okay. And here is the IMDb description. Cisco travels to Earth when a bombing at the Federation conference is determined to be the work of changelings. Dum, dum, dum. Um, this is one hell of an episode. This, this is a lot. We got a lot to unpack with this. Yeah. One. Mm -hmm. Like I, you know, this is a two parter and I was like, Oh, should we cover them? No, there's too much in this episode to really try to fit both. We could in. talk about the Academy and red squadron just for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> exactly. we, could, so we could talk about, we could talk about, the relationship between Cisco and his dad for like the next forty five minutes. I we know. could talk about Odo and his relationship with with the whole station. For I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot yeah. going on here. We could talk we're about. Gonna, we're now we're going to spend five minutes talking about O'Brien and Bashir dressing up like World War One fly boys. <laughs> fly we boys. Should, we should get that out of the way, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we do that first? <laughs> well, uh, yeah. We can get. We, I mean, because we'll, that's at the top of the, sh the actual show, right? Yeah, we can start off with all the preamble before they get the to Earth, I guess. Yeah, let's do that real quick. They're like, oh, all these characters that we know that aren't going to be in the episode at all because they're stuck back on the station. Getting ahead of myself. Yes. Yeah. The wormhole is winking. Yeah. Opening and closing randomly. Uh, it starts off with just like, oh, there's a mystery that's going to be kind of bridge this whole two-parter. I might talk some in this episode about the two-part nature of this, but we'll try to keep most of it to the first part. But yeah, I uh, just just pointed out this. This is like a weird kind of red herring mystery. Not even a red herring. It's just a little thing that they just throw out there at, at the beginning. And then, you know, like, uh, oh, maybe the prophets don't recognize you with the shaved head and your new beard. Dax is just being a real pain in the ass. Yes, she is propagating solidus microaggressions against the only liquid formed alien on the ship, and I don't know why they tolerate that. <laughs> right. I was like, she's playing Hiller she's playing Helen Keller jokes on Odo, is what she's Okay. Doing. All right, let's back up for a second. Here's the thing. This this one little character thing that she does that we have never seen before from her actually mm -hmm. makes a ton of sense. And I don't know why I was thinking about this. This is actually the thing I thought of the most in this episode. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. Here's the thing. A little bit, but I'm, I'm all about it. Yeah. Okay, bear with me just, just for one second. This one little action gave me a little insight into what it must be like to be Jadzia. Because she has an old man inside of her who's lived a bunch of different lives. Mm -hmm. It seems to me, 
when a, somebody when a trill decides to do something like like play a prank on somebody or it's they're having a good time it seems like you have an alignment of personalities that agree that something is fun to do so it's like getting together with a friend and like deciding yes let's do this because it's like a fun or entertaining thing see you have Jadzia who's a young fun loving woman I mean that's who she is without the symbiont right mm -hmm. and then you've got this old guy who loves to get into trouble and to get a rise out of people so you put them together and of course they would be the kind of people who would just fuck with Odo so <laughs> yeah. this made like for some reason, that little one little thing really clicked with me. Like, oh, of course, like, right. Even those two independent personalities would uh, team up to come up with something like this. Seems like yeah. something that they would it's, do. Yeah, and and maybe or maybe not, Quark is in on it. But it's just funny to me that like he doesn't enjoy the joke at all. She's like, hey, it's hilarious to see Odo just pissed off and angry about it. It's kind of like, hey, I'm just going to be a dick, and that's funny, right? But I don't know. At the same time, I'm on board with it. Well, I think maybe is she trying to like get him to loosen up? Is this like a is this yeah a, yeah is this praxis on her part to like change Odo? Right, like, and she's and when he calls her out, well, and then she does like fix it all herself, and she's smiling at him. She's okay, like moving it to a centimeter to the left and getting it right back for him. Mm -hmm. So she's a good sport about him being a pissed off about it at least but i'm glad that hugh came with a full understanding and sort of a like uh, insight into it because i was kind of a, i was at a loss but i think that might have been just me so yeah well i just I like, like she likes she likes creating mischief yeah like okay that's fine i could see how both sides of the, of the person like i could see how the young fun loving woman and the mischievous old man could could do do right. this yeah and then like and being Curzon, a symbiont is whenever you and making a decision is whenever like these things line up right like i feel like jadzia would like worry about offending him maybe but like Curzon doesn't give a fuck so like, yeah That's okay true. we'll just do it if you want to look at it she's probably pretty lonely because like i said in a previous podcast she's been shot down for out of love commitments multiple times now sure and then and so she may she may just be like trying you know instead of being like a sad sack she's trying to make the best of it by yeah and then also like with Curzon being in Dax for a while and then coming back into her like maybe she's got an insight into Odo that it's like okay well maybe he does need to loosen up and I'm just gonna push him a little bit you know I don't know she's being a bit of a bro here like she's yeah yeah <laughs> And I kind of, that's kind of, that's a fun characterization, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fun, I think I thought it was a fun direction. It's, I think yeah. these kind of moments are one of the reasons why people that she's a fan favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that we don't see, well, we don't see any of that in the first season. Nope. And it's just like, we're gradually getting more and more of what people love out of Jadzia. Yeah. And, and I think that was a kind of a segue into the Flyboy thing that folks. Yeah. Well, then Quark is in on it too. And, you know, yeah. that's the whole thing. And, yeah, humanoids have no sense of order, and Dax is the most humanoid person that I've known. Right. I think that it's safe to say that I made this declaration with Kira at one point, and I think I'm going to make it now. I think it's safe to say that we're, we're at the point where Dax is no longer a character I hate to, like, to have to deal yeah. with. I felt like uh, we've come to a turning point on Dax like three times, but I think we're finally there. Yeah, yeah. But Far I mean, like, I don't... has been made down the road, and it's finally 
culminated in James not hating her. Yeah, like I think that they've established a character that I'm willing to go with. Like, give me, yeah. give me, you know, like whatever. If it's a Dax episode, I'm not like, oh fuck, it's a Dax episode. Right, right. Um, so. And then Bashir and Julian are having sort of fun, but they're having it because before that, something horrible happens. And nine eleven happens back on Earth. Okay, but you don't know that. But you don't know. Yeah, yeah do, no, you, you do, do you know do, that. Yeah, because yeah, Odo is talking to Quark, and then Worf comes on and says, "Uh, Odo, we have can or can we get you to the bridge right now? We need you at ops. Been in a bomb attack. Twenty seven people have died, plus including a Tholian observer, president of the Federation, Jaresh Inyo has called a state of emergency, and they need Odo." They look at the tape and they they do some CSI like oh enhance and there's a <laughs> enhance sector F three and oh there's a changeling in the corner and that was the, all of the business they gave Worf to do in this episode. Oh, they made a, didn't they make a crack about about Klingons being hard? Oh to yeah, all of, oh, yeah, yeah. all of our yeah. gods, all of our gods are and then dead. that 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 is and then they spun that whole comment off into a, a Star Trek prequel series. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, what uh, what she said like. I don't think I'll ever understand the Klingons. And then O'Brien is like, oh, no, but don't worry. Nobody does. And they want it that way. It's like, well, nobody does. And that's what works about the Klingons, except not for Star Trek Discovery. We're going to make sure that everybody understands them. Killing your gods because they became too much trouble is a is a totally cool. Yeah. 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 That, that was the that was very interesting. Uh, yeah, that's a very uh, Conan. What's the age? What's, uh, the yeah, Hyperborean age. Hyper. Yeah, it's a very Hyperborean age sort of uh, idea concept that I like. The closer, the more Hyperborean, Hyperborean, mm-hmm. Hyperborean that Klingons get, the more I like them. Yeah. So that's I think generally that's where a rule we tap of into what's... Yeah. The closer to Conan, the whole thing is, the more I like it. Wade pretty much tapped into the tone of the whole show by calling it 9-11 happened but it was filmed in 1995 obviously right yeah, and yeah. So it's before the oklahoma city body bombings which was what 1996 no. so it was 95 no. so april 19th so this would have been in production oh, okay. after. This might, yeah this would have been in production after but maybe mm-hmm. but the yeah. they handle a 9-11 type event yeah and and better than an actual Star Trek show that happens yes. during 9-11. This yeah. episode and, and the one that follows it, if you watch them, it, they're handled so much with so much more care. And, and I, if this were a response to the Oklahoma City, it's not, because it's like, it's not, it's an other doing it. It's not like a homegrown white boy. Yeah. And it's got the whole kind of xenophobia and everything in it. That Yes. You know, maybe the maybe uh, First World Trade Center would have been the... Yeah, maybe. Uh, but a good comparison. But that, that was 93. Yeah, that but was 93. even that, it's not like we were talking about we need to get more militaristic to, you know, defend ourselves against this. Yeah. And maybe, you know, all about... It's kind of a theme of compromising our values to an extent. I will say that I will... I, I want to comment on this next week. Yeah. Because I think right. that there's some elements about how that... How... Why they were able to do it so well and maybe well, why Enterprise couldn't because of things that are in the second episode. Yeah. So, okay. Well, we could do that. We could. That's yeah. a good. I mm-hmm. just wanted to acknowledge that at the top. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. When Wade though. said that, I just wanted to remind me, and I was just impressed at how they handled it and captured the tone and dealt with the issues. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. The worst crime on earth. Nothing. You know, in over a hundred years has been come close. There's a lot to of parallels. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cisco and Odo are the only ones going, I guess. They have to get on the Lakota, 
which is not a runabout. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it's a ship we never see. But and I get the impulses to get the whole family there, but um, and also to bring Nog into the story. Yeah. But it is kind of like, oh, we found out Earth's infested with uh, like very very dangerous aliens. Let me bring my kid. Like, let me take my son. Let me take my son. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I get I get the impulse. I mean, I get the impulses that you want to well, have the Cisco family yeah. dynamic in the episode. Also. There's pretty like Deep Space Nine is probably one of the most dangerous places in the galaxy. Right. So like I, I like even if the changelings are on yeah. Earth a little bit, it's still right. Like I'm keeping my. I don't care if it's dangerous station. or not. It's dangerous there. I'm taking my son with me because you know. Earth he is had still his wife safe. and his kid on the right. on the ship when the Borg. Um. So we have this little dumb scene where they're they're playing flyboys oh, right and uh i guess this is a personal thing with me i don't i'm not a i'm not a fun person like at all <laughs> yeah like no yeah, i you, don't like you really hate a good time james <laughs> yeah I, know. I don't i don't get uh people who super cosplay or people who uh do take halloween super seriously i've never been a costume guy oh, and oh. so Wait, there's a difference between if I if I if I could get in a holodeck and (laughs) an actual LARP and and do if I when I did lightning bolt lightning I could actually shoot a lightning bolt. You bet your ass I'd be in there doing it. Okay, so some people are like that. I'm not one of them. I wouldn't even do it if no one was looking. Right. I mean, yeah. I might be somewhere. In the maybe middle, I would. Be. I mean, and it's, maybe it's yeah, just, like if if I was drinking. If you were drinking, well, they're drinking. They have to stop by the bar to get a a, a lager. Well, remember we've seen how they act when they're how they act under <laughs> quotation marks when they're drunk. Uh, but no, okay. So they not only do that, but they carry it into the bar with them, and they stay in character together. And there's something about that that I. That 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 is like a just it's so different than the kind of person that I am that it, that it's off putting. Yeah, well, and, you, uh, you should come visit, and I'll take you LARPing. No, I won't. I, I've I, never been LARPing. I won't, I won't do that. I don't like uh, to my detriment. I have like kids. I can't even have mm. <laughs> like like I just I'm not that guy. And I and it's probably because like you know I think I'm too cool for it or something. Yeah. But uh, there's these guys doing it and like being so uh, out and open with it. It makes me un- uncomfortable because <laughs> I'm like a. I'm like the Chris Cooper in American Beauty of of LARPing of like public LARPing. <laughs> You're embarrassing yourself. It makes me so uncomfortable. Like, yeah, we got O'Brien proving that he can do an accent. Whatever. Is there a reason for that? Other like, is there a reason for that scene other than we have to put Colmini in here somewhere? It's fun, James. You know, it's fun. Okay. Uh, <laughs> True. Some people like Hollow Sweet episodes, and and then and it, it's it's them having a good time but it's also how they let off steam when they're upset like they have they go in and they get the drink and then o'brien is like you know what i don't know if my heart's in it and then uh quark is like oh is it because clive this hollow sweet character died like no it's not that it's because because of what happened on earth and you you can tell that they're using the hollow sweet for escapism to try to get away from the you know to, oh, that's what they're a- it's a power fantasy because of their impotence towards helping Earth. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, I guess that's 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 a way to look at it. So, uh, See, I would totally use. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's oh, fun. That's a, yeah, that's, a yeah. better, that's a better way to look at it than Wade. Did you read that somewhere? Or did you just draw connect those dots on your own? Like, I didn't know if there was any. I research. just connected the dots on myself. Yeah. Is that is that a normal? Is that, like what I meant? Did you read anything? 
is that a normal fan read of the scene or did you, is that how you interpreted it? That's what I was uh, asking. Well, I don't know how the normal fans feel about it. I know if I'm up depressed, I don't want to do anything but play video games and escape for a while sometimes. Sure. So I just saw it as that sort of thing. And then also, and then Bashir says, you know, I just don't really feel a bit like it right now. I'm, and it, I felt like that kind of lent credence to my kind of. Sure. I think you're, I think you're right on. Yeah. But their their uniforms are distracting to that. <laughs> yeah, well, and they even say at one point, "Well, I guess we better change out of these uniforms." And it's setting up where they go later on that O'Brien and Bashir like to reenact famous battles. Yeah, that's a thing. That's a trope that they kind of revisit throughout the series. Okay, now I would use a hollow suite a lot, and not just for you know like hookers yeah yeah James, not, i'm not gonna go into a hollow suite and do that kind of stuff with you no no no, <laughs> when I'm no going but to I, I, with my friends we'll I, play video games that's too. clearly what dax and dax tries to get uh kira to do all the time <laughs> sure. but nonetheless um i, I obviously I, I would do that <laughs> I'm, but i'm more repressed than dax james i'm just not i gonna would do probably that do that that's not an issue but what i would and i would probably like if there was like a therapist program i would probably do that and I would be like, like if there was a program where I could be like God of a planet and control fate. But what I don't want to have to do is pretend to be someone. I don't want to like have to like put on an accent and a costume and fit in or else you'd confuse the, I, everybody. Yeah. yeah. I am Witchfinder General. I talk in an accent. I don't want it's to be, like, I don't want to be Jon Snow. Like I don't want to be mm. something like that. I, it's like I, when I, I was can, in college and we would talk, me and my friends in the theater department would talk about fantasy like our choreographing like jedi fights we never did it yeah yeah exactly i i, I want like to fun to me i guess i don't know my voice is high because i'm broken out <laughs> i don't know it's it's a it's a weird thing with me but i would do things in the hollow suite just not in an, a funny voice i guess <laughs> funny voices are fun sometimes i don't, I don't know you're right all right well, speaking of funny voices we should probably talk about avery brooks for a while because since <laughs> oh, yeah. this is a very like Heavy, heavy book. Yeah. yeah. Well, then I, I, I don't know. I did also like the end of that Bashir O'Brien scene where they're like, "You don't understand, Quark. It's like when your home's upset." And then Quark talks about like the financial crisis of two thousand eight. Yeah. <laughs> and, and says like, "Oh, yeah, I, I get it, man. I, you know, the rapid inflations, the the great monetary collapse of two thousand eight, <laughs> currency that devaluation, burning like wildfire through the financial foliage." <laughs> My, My accounts needed me. It still depresses me even today. I mean, right, anyways, so that we, was great. We got on Earth, and uh, and then we meet Ratchet from the Transformer movies. Is that Admiral Layton? Yes, Admiral Layton does the voice of Ratchet and all the Michael Bay stuff. I did not and video games. Oh, really? Yeah, he's a see. I know him from um, he was Brenda's father on Six Feet Under. Oh, yep, and, and that, he, that's yes, a really he was yeah, and he was on Falcon Crest for a long while. Pretty, well, he see, was one of the main characters on Falcon Crest. Yeah. There's things that I like about Six Feet Under and things that I don't, but the things that I liked most was everything involving Brenda's family dynamics. Yes. And that, uh, their their marriage character and his wife. Yeah, he had a, a panache about him, like a sleazy yeah. panache. There was a real, like, sort of just shitty, rich <laughs> yeah. L.A. sort of, and their, and their, right. their the, the way they were handled for, like, the whole show was great. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he was, yeah, he was great in that. Mm-hmm. And he's also done Babylon 5. He was on Enterprise. Like, if you look at this guy's IMDb, he just, like, works. He's know? a worker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he delivered, like, you know, he he was this admiral. I mean, he, he delivered. Who didn't deliver? 
was the president of the Federation, which they gave him no, like a like a. F- I, now wait a minute. Now wait a minute. I think Admiral Layton was a little bit uh, over overzealous. Like clear <laughs> at the beginning. Oh, he's an admiral. He's kind of a dick. This is obviously gonna. If we're doing just this episode, I I'm not sure, but I think this might be a bad guy. I don't know. You think you think maybe he was he was too unlikable. Yeah. Maybe. Um, okay. My problem with the with the with the camel face guy is that uh, he. <laughs> you talk about he, Joe Camel. If you put if we Photoshop <laughs> sunglasses on him and put a camel cigarette in his <laughs> mouth, it'd be Joe Camel. It's Joe Camel Blues selling Joe yeah, Camel Blues. Jereshin Joe looks, Camel. He, Joe Camel looks like President Joe Camel. Looks like he got <laughs> caught up in the saddest episode of House of Cards. <laughs> he, 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 I just like this. Is my favorite part of this episode is when he digresses into like how he got into politics and it was the saddest <laughs> thing i've ever heard right i he just wanted so to represent my people yeah he was so wonderfully to... earnest about about all he I wanted i just come from a i just come from a planet of blue camels and i wanted <laughs> right. to help them out <laughs> and he got buffaloed uh, in and he ends up ass backwards just kind of eeyores a bit through it like yeah the vo- okay here's my thing it's not the actor it's that face it's too it's too it's too saturday morning well it has it's to be saturday other. morning that's cartoon. the point that's the point it has to be clearly alien i so, like the face yeah so it looked like it but it looked childlike it looked like dinosaurs like that show dinosaurs <laughs> it looked it looked like that it didn't look there's a way to do i get alien and not don't he had a weird nostril just on the side of his cheek that was just kind of floating there and i was like that's weird but you know and it's it's alien to me like a weird yeah, sensor yeah. like <laughs> the nucleons it was just it was cartoonish and it was it was it was whimsical like it looked like it was something that you would it's like something designed to make a baby happy <laughs> I, like, I, I liked it i liked that it was like it's like oh that's why people like him for president he looks inoffensive and like oh this guy's uh, likable he's like a little teddy bear alien or something okay. but i didn't think it was like totally cartoonish myself i don't know i liked it you don't have to yeah it, it was just too i don't know I'm somewhere the other in the way middle. to go I, the I other mean, way to go would have been it to make it look all ragged and shit like they always do these aliens. Well, and I don't want that either. You know either. what? I wasn't on board with them until that digression about his political life. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm like, what the fuck am I watching this guy? Mealy mouth dude just go on, drone on him. Oh, I guess so. Why, gentlemen? Well, you know, it's just like, oh my God. Yeah. I feel like it's because they want to show that the Federation is a Federation and like. In, in the president of the Federation, I don't think any time they've ever shown the president of the Federation in Star Trek has the president ever been a human. Right. So they wanted to show something that was clearly alien, show the diversity of the Federation. Sure. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of went pretty heavy with the makeup to do that. How many times have we seen the president of the Federation? Well, before? I'm thinking this and then in Undiscovered Country. Oh, yeah. Isn't he like an Andorian type thing? Or I can't what remember. is he? He's like a Klingon or something. Memory Alpha Federation presidents. Could we just look that up? Well, oh, do, you, totally. do you know who yeah. the first one was? Um, the dad from that yeah, 70s from show? No. no, not the first one shown. The first one can- canonically. Oh, it's Archer, right? It's Archer. Yeah. Oh, man. Way to ruin it. I didn't <laughs> I'm <know> sorry. <laughs> man, I'm halfway through my Federation Archer books and no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, there there was a guy with uh, Edgar Winters sort of look. Yeah, like a windswept, like blonde, white, blonde hair with a goatee, like a e- equally long white 
windswept goatee. Yep. He was in the, yeah. Human president circa 2286. He's just called human president is all he's called in the, in the yeah. alpha. But the, the one after that, the Euro, the Efro, Efrosian Efrosian, yes. He looks like he's in the best goddamn bar band in all of <laughs> Oklahoma. And then there's, and then there's Janesh in Euro. <laughs> Who just has the shittiest, he's the Jimmy Carter of <laughs> of the Federation of Planets. <laughs> so much falls apart under this guy. Oh, and he, yes. This guy had to give up his peanut farm to, to, to be yeah. the Federation I president. I sold my personal favorite peanut gun yeah. And he's wearing like a like what Andre 3000 used to wear <laughs> in uh, Outcast, like for like a head thing. You're right, right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the, basically we have a pretty short on-screen representation of the Federation presidents. Okay, yes. um, yeah, because I always thought that, yeah, it is the dad from that 70s show from uh Rathacon. and i helped you i, I always confused me because i thought he i'm mean, no from undiscovered country wait is like, it actual Kirk, does kirkwood smith blame in undiscovered yeah country? i'm yeah yeah oh my god yeah yeah you're yeah, right. yeah it's Holy kirkwood shit, smith. that's kirkwood smith i love kirkwood and smith. He, i always thought he was a klingon guns 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 no he's a he's, he's a got, Euro- he, He's got a, he's in Afrosian because right. he's got head ridges. We shouldn't spend too much time on uh, Joe Camel because we still have important Lou Brock stuff to get to, right? Yes, we right. do. Yeah, I hate them. <laughs> Did I call him Lou Brock? Brock you Peters. Lou Brock. Oh Brock Jesus Peters. Christ! I'm sorry, Brock Peters. Right? Is it Brock Peters? It's Brock Peters. Yeah, yes. I know that. Oh my God! Who is also who's also in Undiscovered Country? Oh right. Yeah. Yeah. This is all about the family. It's Cisco's family. O'Brien asks Odo to go visit his family, and then Odo asks Bashir if he wants him to visit his family, and Bashir's like, "No." Oh, that's just foreshadowing for later on in the show. Just like setting stuff up. But most of it's about Joe Cisco, right? Who owns a restaurant in New Orleans? Who mm-hmm. is kind of kind of like a pushy patriarch of the family which is interesting because we don't get to see benjamin you know bow you know like defer to power very much oh yeah yeah you know he seems mm-hmm. and but yet he he's very he's a he's a loyal he's a good loyal son yeah who defers to his father and you could tell when he's in his presence that the power dynamic changes and that's interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. here we have this gregarious guy who's like, who just loves loves his restaurant. Yeah. Basically in charge Brock of Peters. Francisco. Yeah, yeah, Brock Peters. And is, Brock Peters is just the man. Like, he really is a, yes. like a great actor. So. Oh, yeah, my God. Great. Does yeah. he bring it in this episode? Yeah. This this episode, when Brock Peters gives that, does that whole thing in that third act. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because the whole kind of thing they're setting up, like, he's been sick, and then uh, he won't see his doctor or anything. Uh, they talk about the changelings, and, and he's like, I don't trust anybody that won't eat. Yeah. Food and then he he doesn't eat, so they're setting up this kind of like it's like oh my god, what's going on? I would take a man and fill myself with blood and like yeah yeah yeah. Well, any species. Oh Oh, that's so great. Yeah, like because they're setting up. We know that the changelings have infiltrated Earth. Cisco and Admiral Layton convince the president by sneaking Odo in as a briefcase to to up and start screening people with blood screenings and stuff. And so every Federation officer and all their immediate family has to get the blood test to make sure they're not changelings. They have to rush back to New Orleans because Benjamin's dad will not take the blood test and is about to get arrested. And then he gives this great whole kind of spiel. about like, But what you're asking me to do is wrong. You can't go around making people prove they are who they say they are. 
That's no way to live. And I'm not going to go along with it. I mean, the whole point of, of this episode basically is it's an examination of how much you give up, you know, your rights, your life, your freedom in, in, in the name of security. Right, right. Which is basically the whole post 9-11 world. Like, yes. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. people still get elected, you know, saying, give, just give a few people the power and mm. we'll take care of everything for you. We've been in directionless 16 year war, just uh, put 4,000 more soldiers into it. <laughs> like just all of these sort of lost cost things. But yeah, it's, it's always in the name of fear where we have terrorists living amongst us. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, Odo even says he talks about fear. Yeah. Talking about his people, his people like, like want disruption. Yeah. Yeah. Want, yeah. Yeah, fear is a powerful and dangerous thing. And if you don't act, if you don't show them that they're not alone, then fear will surely take over. Because that's what the changelings want to kind of instigate. And Joe Sisko kind of gives this whole thing when he won't take the blood test. And then, I mean, that scene that, yeah, we just started talking about how great that scene was. Where he's, and then, then he cuts himself, he gets upset and he cuts himself chopping food. And just the look that he gives uh, Avery Brooks or Cisco afterwards, when Cisco is just kind of like staring at the blood on the knife, and he's like, "Wait, you you actually thought I was one of them or whatever?" <laughs> oh, that was a fantastic scene. Yeah, yeah. and then Cisco after that is just like, you know, he's like, it's just a he's like a little Stammering boy, child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm sorry, you know, like, it's, oh, it's amazing. It yeah. was nice. Uh, like the whole plot again. Again, it's one of the curse of a two parter podcast mm-hmm. is that you know like the the whole story is that you're putting cisco i can make this point better next so i'm going to play around it and so there's no spoilers but you're putting cisco in a position to where you built him up as like i don't think they have to build him as a competent captain anymore on the show so you've already seen that competence over the course of the show so far so to put him back in a position to where he finally is up against someone who not only through like familial concern been automatically sort of cows to 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 Joe Cisco, but also that he's actually morally correct, and that Cisco is morally wrong, and so you put him in that position to where like the the father son dynamic is needed. Right. Um, it's not a hindrance to allow Ben to fly flower as a character like the father is actually still teaching him lessons that he needs to know right. i don't know if from this episode whether it's apparent that Cisco is actually wrong or not yet because they they probably do need to do the drug test, the blood test to make sure they're not. And I mean, again, we won't talk about the next episode, but it's like he does have a point that you do need maybe a little bit of like security. Maybe you don't, maybe you don't need people on the streets, but it's not. Why is it that big a deal just to do some blood tests to make sure that they're not changeling? The argument is he might have a disease that then people find out about and don't go to his restaurant anymore. Or like there's right. a, you know, that you're, yeah, and you're, he's, you have, he's, you're, yeah. I mean, the argument is, is that you have a certain reasonable amount of privacy. Yeah. And once we, you know, the argument, you, you've lived since nine <laughs> eleven. Yeah. Like, so. Oh, I know. I'm just trying to make the opposite yeah, case. Yeah. That's true. I, Cause it's not cut and dry. That's true. And they do yeah. make the opposite case in that they are uh, meeting apparently a very extreme case of dominion um, infiltration and compromising. Yeah. Of the, of, yeah. Joe's point that he 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 totally nerd corners it. I think we maybe even had this like, come on, the changelings aren't dumb, and you can get around as a guy that's taken enough piss tests. Like, yeah, you can get around the test any way that you want. Like, yeah, <laughs> if I were a changeling, and I'm just he's just a cook or he's a restaurateur, but he's even he's like, 
yeah, if I were a changeling, I would come here, I'd find some poor schmuck on the streets, and I'd suck all of his blood out of him and dump him somewhere Mm -hmm. and just keep, like, you know, little baggies full of human blood stuck inside my body so that once anybody tried to take my blood, I could just move that up and take the human blood, and look, I passed the test. Like, so this doesn't mean shit, so who cares if I take the blood test or not? You can't do it, and you're... You're violating my rights, so fuck off, son. <laughs> yeah, and he's he's doing it to prove a point. Rob Peters is like, I mean, I don't know if you like, if you haven't seen To Kill a Mockingbird, then go fucking see. Like, what the fuck's wrong with you? But like, he's you know, he's Tom Robinson in that, or Rob Robinson in that. He's amazing in that. He's uh, like, uh, he's he's great in a lot of things. He's the voice of Lucius Fox in the animated Batman series. That's right. Uh, yeah. So he, you know. He's basically yes. He's he's the best. Yeah, he was he's perfect casting this. for Benjamin Sisko's father. Yes, yeah, it's pretty yes. good. Yeah, as far as like being able to deliver on what the scenes need, right? For a man who we thought was dead for most of this series, Sisko's <laughs> father. Yeah, no, they actually had to write about that. That's why when they uh, when the writers were going to write the character of Benjamin. Uh, Joe Cisco in someone pointed out hey didn't we basically say he died yeah and they looked back and they go not technically they say when he struck ill and you and Ben watched him waste away on a table or on a bed yeah yeah and they bring but that up was the, that was the illness that he had that they're constantly worried about arterial sclerosis yeah. <laughs> yeah and they do mention that Benjamin Cisco has a sister named Judith yeah no mention of his brothers yeah unless Nathan is his brother and he just doesn't talk to him or is not so there's no effect there's a guy named Nathan in the kitchen that's going to take over the restaurant, but I don't get any inkling that it's actually he's a Cisco. He's just like the shorter. He's just the guy in the kitchen. I don't know. It's the guy that goes and gets the grubs for Nog. Yeah, yeah. Later on in the show, I'm interested to go back and have the Ben Cisco family tree conversation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's a little muddy. More complicated. It's a little complicated. So <laughs> yeah, but I guess you know that's a that's a conversation for a much later podcast. Later, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're we're talking about the pivotal scene where we have Ratchet from the Transformer movies mm-hmm. is walk along and oh right right and Odo they're talking about I don't know some security one something or another. And Odo catches on to the fact that this guy is some sort of like hostile to him. So he grabs him, turns out he's a changeling, and that that's like a like a big uh, like a it kicks it up a notch in the story with like this sense of urgency. Yeah. But also it touches upon how the folks in Odo's culture like hate him. <laughs> well, because the whole episode, like you know, somebody's got to be a changeling, right? They set up the changelings that are infiltrated. You're like. Okay, one of the people we know is probably going to be a changeling, and they keep throwing all these hints that it's Joe Cisco, or but, that the woman behind Layton, who seems yeah, very yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, conspicuous, I guess. Yes, uh, she's like a what's her name that Lex Luthor's right hand lady in the oh, animated yeah. cartoons, which featured Brock Peters. So we should find that, out. that yes. exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it was like, oh my god, Layton was a changeling, but no, Layton wasn't a changeling all along. He just was. For that scene, and and why didn't Odo go after him? Like I didn't understand that. I, there's some of this like where I I know I, we have a modern action based mindset and we want to see runs and chases. Oh, I think he was weak. Wasn't he weakened by the by the joining? Like he uh, maybe, he, but the, the other yeah, guy, they, but the they, other guy could fly off. No, the other guy can also make a human face too. Odo's not all that. You know, I, I took it as uh, we ran out of a CGI budget to chase after him. Uh, <laughs> like okay, he flew uh, off. And, do we believe that Odo is like a Baby 
changeling yeah or does he just not had upper graduate classes he's not as good at do at it as the rest of them yeah and the, okay. the guy even throws shade at him it's like when he's a, Some of he's them a can, yeah. seagull or whatever he's like oh well maybe someday you'll be better at be able to convince the other seagulls because they're just as well hey i can turn into a real person and you fucking suck at this but maybe odo could turn i mean the guy turned into a bird maybe odo could have turned into a bird too well, he was a, had an awesome bird chase, but no, but, like I get why they didn't, but like, it's yeah, still well, like, Odo was our, a bird uh, two minutes earlier and the guy threw shade at him for just being a bird, not a person. I know, but then he turns into a bird to get away. So we know yeah. Odo can turn into a bird. Well, him turning into the bird was like flipping Odo off. I felt like, like, oh, I'll, I'll be a better bird than you. I, th- I think it was getting him the fuck out of there. Well, that was that too. Uh, and then also they ran out of their budget, and they're just like, well, fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. We don't need to chase. We don't need to chase him. I'm sure he's fine. But the fact that they, that they were able to deal so well with Odo along the way, I thought was pretty good. It was a, it was a neat trick. I mean, they're doing a lot of mm-hmm. well, there's a lot they're spinning a lot of plates here, and they're all spinning them really well. Yeah, I don't think there's anything really bad. To, I mean, we're nitpicking it, but but I thought it was a very strong episode. Yeah, I do think that it was kind of fun that you get to see Odo in his most. You know, we've talked about Odo's authoritarian sort of tanky sensibilities yeah i mean we, we get to see him in that element like he's fully everything in the episode is is telling him is waving him on so you get to see i don't know it's it's fun to see people unhampered by other people's you know etiquette yeah. so he's just being no let's shock him to five i can take it to three but let's do it to five. you know like yeah, everything yeah, like, is about like yeah. <laughs> right sort of full punishing sort of thing to bear they even pulled a little trick well, on yeah he just knows that they're better at it than him too it's like well if i can take 3.1 and 3.4 would maybe knock me stun me my my favorite actually avery brooks acting in this whole episode actually was him being annoyed with nog yes that was <laughs> when, great stuff yeah, when, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah he, so we've got red squadron that yeah, was, that's, yeah, that's that's yeah. now that was already introduced in the wesley crusher on trial episode of Next Generation. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, because Cisco doesn't know what the fuck Red Squad is. He's like, what? We didn't have that he's one. Like, was he was saying he's like an old man. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Huh? Uh, it does look like that it first brought up here. Yeah, no, so, yeah, the program was a relatively new idea. A group of Red Squadron cadets, including Riley Shepard, to say... Okay, so... Yes, so, yeah, so... so but here. Wesley Crusher was not in Red Squad when they were... Like, oh my gosh, this is Chekhov's Red Squad. It goes off... If it's introduced in the first act. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I can't that's keep talking why, about yes, it. Yes, my bad, my bad. Yeah, no, so, I'm getting <laughs> confused... And he de- and yes, Nog desperately wants to be a part of this and needs. <laughs> so he's got to go bother. He's got to go bother Cisco a second time for a letter of recommendation. Yeah, and he's just you know he's the overeager, like a kind of a like, hey, I need this thing. I'm gonna bug you about it. And Cisco just like is he's so annoyed by it that with, this is my favorite acting of his in the whole. I'm really busy. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of busy here, Nog. <laughs> like. Well, you know, uh, but come on, I'm really sad, and these guys don't show me any attention, and I need your recommendation. Like, uh, when did I sign up to be your big brother? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Just because my son's your best friend doesn't mean I'm your. And clearly, they're doing that thing where they're giving you information in a, in a way where you're going to assume that it's innocuous, right? 
right. and then as it keeps going you're like maybe i should why, why, why do they keep bringing up this fucking why do i care about dogs <laughs> like dorm life and then like you're like oh it's gonna tie in yeah yeah i mean this whole what first part of this two-parter does such a good job i feel like of dropping little things here that will come back mm-hmm. and that they feel like maybe like okay well because they've take a lot of time just to have moments like with oh we're gonna do the flyboy stuff and we're just checking in with nog and tube worms and mm-hmm. oh and then there's red squad he's having trouble adjusting you know to hang it to the academy because are they racist towards ferengi no well, here's just- the thing is there's a couple conversations you could tell that they because he's talked to jake about it right jake pulls it out of him what's the matter and then and Jake says, we've talked about this. Yeah. The, it was going to take, uh, you know, a while for everybody to get adjusted to you. And then Cisco is like, when he has this conversation, he's like, we've talked about this. It was going to be t- take a while for everybody <laughs> to get used to you. There was multiple conversations with Nog saying, everybody's going to, like, you're an acquired taste, Nog. Everybody. <laughs> um, but. It was, yeah, it was like he. He kept saying, "This isn't a race thing, guys." Like, right, like, right. Look, Nog, you have to, you gotta work hard. Put your head down. Yeah, I'm gonna quit do that. bugging me. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I see yeah. At, at one point, you think that Cisco's gonna be like, "Well, if you just write the letter, I'll sign it." He's got to be at that point, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't yeah. care. Just write the letter, and I'll sign it. You were right in saying that this episode feels confident because they're doing a lot of stuff. They're not like nothing's really overwritten. And they they do have like they're planting a lot of seeds that pay off next week, and it's because they they actually set on the script for probably almost a year now. This this is one they locked down before they got Worf on. Well, this was supposed to be the season finale of last year. Oh right. So and it was supposed to, it was a little bit different. It was a bigger thing where the basically the same plotline is going on, but instead of like the power grid, whatever lame ass thing, it was actually supposed to be that through the efforts uh, that Leighton and Cisco were making, it causes a rift with the Vulcans. The Vulcans decide to pull out of the Federation by the end of the episode. Oh, shit. Oh, and, wow. then it, and it ends with, like, Federation oh, ships shit. firing on Vulcan ships. Man, oh, wow. that really, really would have fucked up Joe Camel's presidency. To have that <laughs> yeah, yeah. on his watch. Because <laughs> the whole, the, the bombing in Antwerp was... There were the Federation representatives and also the Romulan, which I guess it could piss off the the Vul- the Russian the Vulcans somehow. The oh, Dominion sorry. clearly doesn't want the Federation and the Romulans making friends. Yes, so they need yeah. to disrupt that's, that. That's the way to look at it too. I don't know what the original plot was, but um, but I know that Paramount told them not to do it mm-hmm. because they didn't want to end in a cliffhanger. And my 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 pet side theory is they were probably toying with canceling the show yeah yeah probably and they knew that they were going to have to force some retooling and they didn't want to have to deal with a bunch of old bullshit so they wrote the adversary which is a much which is still kind of a big plot whatever a big reveal about the plot without ending in a cliffhanger right like a you know like it's open-ended but it's not a cliffhanger right right um so they rewrote it and they had already so they rewrote it to move it in here and everybody's a little like all the writers are a little pissed up. Like I think it was written by Iris Stephen bear and Robert Hewitt Wolf. Mm-hmm. And they were both super pissed about it because uh, it didn't even get put into sweeps week. So it was like, they had this huge epic, like in their mind, I think they thought they were writing the best of both worlds. Right. And by the time it gets sort of whittled away, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an important two parter, but it's not like, yeah, well, January 1st, is a shitty time to have a TV show. Like, yeah. everybody's hungover. Like, that's not a TV day. That's like, 
that's a dead zone. Well, I feel like nowadays, especially at least, like yeah, maybe. I mean, it's like, everybody's but, still celebrating. Like it's like Christmas, New Year's. Nobody, it's TV is not what. Or is it the, the big shows don't come? Well, out. yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. And it didn't do very good. I mean, you're you're right. It was but sweeps, but uh, you can you can say like uh, by the end of you know I'm always bored by the end of the night of the first. Yes, because you're you know all the fun's last night and you're hungover and you don't want to get out. But and like closed. having like working in TV, like nobody in any networks is on the job. Like yeah, New Year's that that's a shit that no like it's a shit detail. Yeah, it's a shit detail. Yeah, like oh, I sometimes I have to go into work. It I work what well, doesn't matter, but I have to he go w- in. He works in media. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I have to go in on New Year's like I, every now and then. And it's like, what the? F- this is the biggest waste of my fucking time. It's time and a half, though, isn't it? No, no, it's oh, not. Oh fuck you! Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That would that would be worth it. But it's January first is a is a shit time to have a new show. I mean, I guess you might be the only game in town, but it's like it's not a popular time to get for viewership. You guys, uh, you guys want to wrap up any final thoughts before we get into the last couple segments of the show? I guess yeah. I could point out that I think that we've. Didn't we discover Ben uh, Benjamin Cisco's middle name? Is this the first time? Lafayette. Oh, Benjamin Lafayette. Lafayette. Yeah. Yes. So uh, not only a very uh, it's a cre- um, very very Cajun name, but also like you know an American hero, or I guess a French. Yeah, yeah. A French hero that they gave us. So <laughs> right, right. So uh, do we need to pretty- talk about the difference between Creole and Cajun cooking? Uh, I, it just bothers Cisco's dad. It does <laughs> yeah. the difference. Creole, I mean, that's all we need to know for the well, story. Well, I think you're for right. the story, I can, Creole is the food that the rich people ate inside New Orleans, uh, generally cooked by uh, African Afri- Af- originally slaves, and then later on freemen. Uh, like sort of culture where it was like a sophisticated French black culture, a very unique thing in cooking. And so there were very French influenced things like roumalades and etouffees. And then the Cajuns, which were the French like rednecks mm-hmm. that lived in the bayou would cook Cajun food. And it had like gator and gators and like nasty, like liver sausages and stuff. Nutria. Yes. <laughs> and uh, that was, that's, uh, that's gumbo and jambalaya and all things fucking delicious. So well, they're both pretty delicious, but okay, Cajun well, is specifically fucking delicious. Yeah. Joe, Joe Cisco's doctor doesn't know the difference. He doesn't. So fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Like asshole on a podcast and show you up. Yeah dick and uh, all right but that's all i got why does earth have a central power system <laughs> uh yeah uh oh yeah we didn't even mention the cliffhanger is that the power grid that gets taken out in earth is defenseless yes <laughs> uh that that happened yeah that's kind of a big plot point because you could just take out all of earth's power in like one fell swoop uh, like so yeah but uh, who knows actually that it's a fell swoop they had to infiltrate and get in there there, it's at least in the same computers. Let's just put it that yeah. way. That is a that is a current fear, like of the doomsday preppers. Yeah, like my that- my father in law is like a half a prepper, and he's constantly worried about EMPs, even though like that's like you know it's made up. But like he doesn't. I don't know if he. I don't know. That's like a fear of a lot of things. Is that these yeah, electromagnetic? Like, What's that one world government? That's a problem. We're gonna be defenseless, <laughs> right? And, and yeah. the aliens are gonna just go take us well, out. That's a the EMPs. That's a big Newt Gingrich. That's thing. a Newt Gingrich thing, and whoever 
Carver really writes his books. Um, who's like a name in the doomsday prepper world. Of course. But yeah, that's like a big sort of thing. I think they think it's real because they saw it in Ocean's Eleven. Ah. But it's not. All right. Well, anyway, yeah, I, I guess we've covered it all there, Vince. Yeah. I think we have. I think, I think <laughs> we've it was actually a, it was covered a... nothing about the actual plot, but there's nothing we can really talk about of substance. I think uh, we cover. I think we covered a lot, considering that we could. We didn't want to reveal too much for the second yeah. episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. If you guys were gonna do a rewatch, was it? Where does this put you on the rewatch meter? Ten. One through ten. You, yeah. You have to. Yeah, yeah, I no, no. I, I dig the shit out of this episode. So I, 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 I might move it down to nine because it's a two-hour commitment. But uh. right. Well, I, I was watching this and I was like, you know what? You gotta watch if I if I if we ever did like a wide album of the whole series Ooh. or just like oh these are the episodes if you like want essential viewing if you want to have like a mini series event of hmm. just Deep Space Nine you do uh, the Dias cast and Improbable Cause and this one you could you could move straight from that to this because they reference because they're like oh oh they the blinking uh, wormhole is. is like maybe yeah. Uh, cloak ships coming in from the Gamma Quadrant, and they're like, they don't have cloaks. Like, well, they took out the Romulan and Cardassian fleet that had cloaks, so we don't know what they got. And so, yeah, you could do th- those episodes, Adversary, and just move straight to this one. I'd throw in Way of the Warrior in between, but well, oh, that's yeah, a whole yeah, other yeah, podcast. War, War pops up for no reason, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. no, no, I like, uh, yeah, no, this is this is pretty good. I would like I say, I think I'd put it in nine, but Brock Peters, probably Brock Peters acting with. Uh, Avery Bro- Bro- Avery Brooks, Lou Brock, um, Lou Brock, <laughs> Bob Gibson, it- uh, <laughs> late stage Roger Maris. I uh, I would probably put it at a ten if I was going to do a rewatch. If I was going to like, if I just had like five or six that I was going to do a rewatch for, this might be one of them. I I put this at a ten for me or on yeah. the rewatch meter. Oh, the one qu- I, I see what you mean by James with like knocking it down to a nine because it's a two hour commitment. I, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't fault you there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a, it's definitely a top fifteen episode. I think it's a top ten episode. It's not. A, I don't think it's a top five episode. Right. So that's where I'm. Uh, that's where the, I'm at the, on it. The last thing, uh, I guess, it's a thing that I forgot. I should have mentioned this earlier. Uh, Admiral Layton, just like Cisco and this not even Federation, but wor- that works for the Bajoran shows up and he's like, oh, you live here now. You're, you're head of security for all of Starfleet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? what? Yeah, what? Take, yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of, yeah. and he's in the Starfleet, the next generation uniform because it's the DS9 uniforms are for stations, I guess, with the turtlenecks. <laughs> I, I would have felt remiss if I didn't bring that up. Yeah. I mean, I guess that Odo technically is a asset under, I mean, I think he probably got recoded as an asset under the Federation. Yeah. Even though he's technically a Bajoran citizen and a Bajoran military officer or whatever in some capacity. It's, he's a public officer for for Bajor. I think he's probably been like assigned and Bajor school was signing that off as, a, as an asset, as a key asset in the Dominion defense. Mm-hmm. Some of that makes sense, but they didn't... You could, they could have had a conversation about it, but you know, yeah, it's fine. Do you guys want to guess what the good people of IMDb think of the show? What the consensus star rating is? Eight. Um, yeah, eight, eight point one. This has got seven hundred and forty-one votes, Ooh, and it is eight point three. Whoa! All right, all right, I'm I'm on board with that. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty that's good. Eight point three. Yeah, that's, that's a, about as high as we've seen, and that's a lot of votes. Yeah, no, no, that is a lot of votes. So, I mean, it's this is a good one. This is a damn, damn fine episode. 
I was even trying to like, I was like, if I do nitpick it, what am I really nit? Well, first off, you're like, oh, I don't, I don't have big nitpicks because, you know, I might have big nitpicks on the whole two parter. Yeah. But there's not really anything you can really gutter snipe at other than I, I, I don't have the same kind of fun that Dax, Bashir, and O'Brien have. <laughs> other than that, it's not like a, I couldn't think of anything. So when we do our Dungeons and Dragons games, you're not going to be in, do a character voice is what you're saying? I don't. I, not, I <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not a voice. I, I like, I'm never going to be a voice guy in one of those games. <laughs> All right. Uh, and yeah, and I'll probably never directly talk in my voice. Okay. I'll always be like, he says something like, like, I don't ever want to. And then as a DM, I'll be like, nope, you got to do it. You got to do the character voice. And then I'll do it. I'll do it, uh, you know, like, like fucking like April Ludgate would do it or something like that. <laughs> he sounds like I do. Fuck. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Moving on. But what if my father's right? What if all our precautions turn out to be useless? Maybe they will. But that doesn't mean you should give up. My people are here. And you've got to fight them with whatever you've got. I hope you don't take this the wrong way, Constable. But there are times I wish you'd never found your people. Believe me, Captain. Sometimes I feel the same way. A quick disclaimer before we get into the uh, calls this week. Uh, nothing much, you know, this is an explicit podcast, as said on iTunes, but I don't know if you have the kids in the car or something. What are you doing? We're filthy. Why are you doing that? But these next two calls, we go into further detail about the nature of the deck and some uh, sexual ethics in the future. So if that's a thing that you might find upsetting if we go into um, exquisite detail on. Uh, we get full Dan Savage about some of this stuff, and it's, yeah. So just heads up, you've been warned. It's actually a pretty fun conversation, I think, and then we get into some questions about the ethics of the future in that Star Trek thing. So you've been warned. All right. All right, let's just jump into our voicemails and emails here. It's nothing but the hits this time, or, you know, a couple of our favorites here um first off we got a thing here from twiggy and i'll just jump into it hey guys just got some feedback for our man bashir specifically in relation to james's uh conversation about the hollow suite and the moral implications involved that sort of uh, tickled my fancy a little bit um i'm not sure if it's is it sort of considered like going to a brothel or is it more considered like just sort of tugging one out because even now we're partway there to that with VR, you know, you can just slip a headset on over your eyes and while, you know, you're still doing the deed to yourself, it is to the image of an, another person being there. So I kind of feel like, you know, we're, we're on the way to that anyway. Um, you're also talking about how Quark could be running this place at a loss. And I think that's a pretty easily explained thing, even though while he probably is fudging the books and the numbers a little bit, um, the two biggest clientele bases he has in Deep Space Nine are Bajorans, who are just ridiculously uptight and would never go into a place like that. And then you've got the Federation, who are all basically good guys. And like as you're sort of touching on, they're like, good guys don't really do that sort of thing. Uh, and then the other big client base he had were the Klingons who have now fucked off. But even when they were there, they kept damaging the joints. So he was then running up, uh, you know, repair fees and all that sort of stuff. So he's basically left with the aliens of the week and it might not be driving business that hard. 
um, thing that uh, caught my imagination was if you go into a holodeck or a holosuite and you take in some props like you know a hat, a cane, a whip, whatever you want to take in there, when you're in the program, you take that with you. So if you go into a holosuite and you're fucking the women in there and you come, what happens to the cum? Does it, like, when you turn the program off, does it get, like, deconstructed along with all the Holosuite characters? Or does it just, like, the Holosuite character disappears and then it just all splooges on the floor and makes a big mess? Hence why Rom needs to come in with a bucket to clean the joint up. That's about all I've got to input on this one. Thanks for that, boys. Have a day. I think this is in a roundabout way, been answered before. If I recall, there's been an episode, well, at least, uh, was it in first contact when the safety protocols were turned off and somebody got hurt like cut like somebody picard or somebody got cut and there was blood i think if i think if you have some sort of bodily fluid on you like sweat or blood or um <laughs> jizz yeah jizz <laughs> yeah it doesn't disappear it, it stays with you yeah rom most definitely has a bucket somewhere <laughs> that he has to mop yeah that's a, that's blood a... or sweat or uh, or jizz yeah right? because I, yeah if, if you took in if it dematerialized that would just be dangerous i feel like i, I don't know aerosol yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, i'm sure there's some sort of sonic shower thing that they could do I'm sure sure, that, sure sure right that's true yeah or there's just like a laser that goes across the room to sweep and put it all into the recompiler after anybody leaves this is all gross <laughs> no, uh, you're, I think that I, I mean, I think that it could be a funny thing to have Quark uh, implement a uh, you can go into the hollow suite, but you have to have a towel and flip flops. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, We're not like, one of those fancy like, Federation ships that has a matter recompiler in there. We got to do it manually afterwards and, and manually ring those comrades into the re- yes. the matter recompiler afterwards we don't have a robots to do or it or the whole the whole uh, the whole federation is waylaid by getting athletes foot from going into the <laughs> there's staff infections um uh, oh, everything's gross uh yes where do you think well yeah a lot of ear infections in the no uh, yeah yeah i think i think that you have to think that rom's got to go in there and clean the it's like a bathhouse. I mean, I think it probably works on bathhouse rules. Um, yeah, they leave a towel by the door. Hey, don't be a dick. Wipe it down after yeah, you're yeah. done with Clean it. Clean up after yourself, guys. <laughs> everyone has to use these hollow suites. These hollow suites are for everyone. Um, hollow suites are nasty. I think that's what we learned. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just <laughs> remind me next time, always wear your flip-flops when you go into the hollow suite. Guys. Oh, my on. God. I got some <laughs> flip-flops that are just for the hollow suite that I don't wear anywhere else. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Like, I know they say they clean them out, but Rom doesn't get to those all the time. He's, yeah. he's overworked yeah. as it is. That guy, yeah. Uh, I, as far as uh, the hollow suite versus tugging one out, I think I set up in the episode, and I think that I'll stay by this, that I think my I think my wife would have a problem with me going to hollow suites. I don't know this for a fact, but it's just my, yeah. my suspicion. <laughs> and so, therefore, I do view it as probably somewhere on a higher level of, like, a lower level of morality than, than just tugging one out. I guess. Yeah. Right. Hey, man, just because I go to get a happy ending every now and then doesn't mean I'm cheating. Yeah. Yeah. I think <laughs> it's like, one yeah, of those. I, I mean, that might be somewhere in the middle. I mean, there actually is another person there at a massage parlor. Right. 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 But uh, it, it's sort of the same thing. I just I, I suspect my wife would have a problem with with me going to a house. <laughs> I know your wife. I just I suspect she would. Yes. yes. As well. So that's where I view that it, there is a difference. But as far as VR, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, 
I don't know how my wife would deal with She wouldn't want me to spend that much money on electronics, I think. <laughs> but other than that. All right. That's all the thoughts we have on that one. I didn't ask this in the pod, but tel- teledildonics, is that when you, what is teledildonics? Oh, um, yeah. I, I saw uh, at a at an event one time with Peter Gil- H. Gilmore, the high, high priest of the Church of Satan. Apparently his book has a whole chapter on, um, it's, it's, it's fuck robots, basically. Oh, like, okay. Because I was thinking maybe it was like the... If the whole little of the law for Satanists is do as thou wilt, you know, it's an objectivist thing. Like, mm-hmm. you can do whatever you want for your own pleasure. Just don't intrude on Other the people. pleasure of others kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So, the true hedonist... But if you have a fuck robot, you can do whatever to it, and you're not impinging on anybody else's, you know, utility. Yeah. Or, so it's a or, pure it's a pure form of hedonism. It's not necessarily Epicurean hedonism where there's actually... A mechanism for moderation, but yeah, it's okay. Yeah, so, so teledild. I was thinking teledildonics was like uh, when you when you can operate. You have a, you have a, uh, a dildo over your phone from my distances. dildo has Bluetooth. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes, and like yes, okay. And I guess that's lower level teledildonics. Right? Yeah, that's all. You still there, Hugh? Awesome. Oh yeah, I'm just <laughs> waiting up to tell the teledildonics. All right, just, all right. <laughs> All right, moving on. We got another voicemail or uh, message here from uh, Kristen, another international, Kristen from Toronto, also about the holodeck. Oh, really? This is uh, the email she sent this with is titled, Our Man Bashir, A Terrible Thought. (laughs) Hey, guys, this is Kristen from Toronto again. So I just listened to your episode on Our Man Bashir, and um, after your extensive but i wouldn't say exhaustive discussion on the ethics of sex with holodeck characters i had a really terrible thought and i thought i should share it with you so you know how perhaps i don't know if any of you have had this experience but it's pretty common um people who watch a lot of pornography you know in in the modern world uh tend not to realize that sex with actual humans is different than what they see in the movies and tend not to be all that um what's a nice way of putting it uh there really isn't one tend not to be very good as partners until they (laughs) learn some real life skills um so just imagine how much worse that would be if you'd spent your formative years and as julian seems to do your adult years having sex with fictional people who look and act like they're humans but really aren't and are programmed to be what you want rather than being actual autonomous human beings. Um, So really what I'm saying, guys, is just take a second and think about how awful in bed Julian Bashir must be (laughs) if you had any more reasons you were looking for to be down on the guy. (laughs) So that's all I've got. Eldar Joy. Good night. So it doesn't just end it in being a shitty doctor. <laughs> yeah. Julian Julian has a death grip problem syndrome. <laughs> problem. Whatever the equivalent in the 24th century of death grip syndrome, uh, which I guess uh, you know Dan Savage has walked back on, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think that is absolutely right. And I, I think you can I think we can only imagine how awkward and yes it's uh, the sexual politics of uh the sexual realities of like a long deep dive into these sort of things it, it's it, i'm interested right i think it's worth it but I, bring that, I mean it is a great point though i bet you there's some there's some pretty fucked up people right well it all kind who, of who are just can't connect or whatever because right 
It all. I thought about this the first like, when I was thinking, like, okay, well, it depends on what kind of programs you're using. Like, if you're, you know, ideally in this evolved future, people would program like realistic individuals that would. That's like, what I'm thinking too. You could yeah. use a holodeck to like do <laughs> give you the full girlfriend experience. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> and like, oh, and teach you how to be a better lover or whatever. Yeah, that's not what Julian's the, doing. The Nina Hartley, the Neely Hartley holodeck program. Yeah, <laughs> right. uh. Julian's going to full James Bond misogyny though, and just you know, so that's like he's not it. They're not. I don't. I don't think. Mona loves it is giving him, you know, good tips on like what realistic women want. No. So yeah, Julian's bad at fucking. Yeah. You probably also like, I, I keep thinking back. Uh, I think we've made reference to this exact episode before, but I think that the Rick and Morty episode where Rick <laughs> buys Morty a fuckbot <laughs> right. and how Morty responds to that is probably uh, what happens to teenage boys in their formative years with access to holodeck technology. Yeah. It's probably something similar to that. And you think about how over the last 20 years, how internet pornography has sort of developed because, you know, we're, we're of a men of a certain age. We used to have to like find pornography in life. Yeah. I remember <laughs> I had, I, yeah, I remember magazines. Remember those? Remember magazines? Oh yeah. VHS tapes. We like, we had to go find this stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. And then when it yeah. became like, like instantly ready, like it's a different thing. And now everything is at a, such a heightened <laughs> yeah. thing. Nobody uses the Victoria's Secret catalog anymore. Exactly. And, and no one, and no one really uses like, it's all, I guess I'm saying that it all, because you get bored quicker, so you move to more extreme things, constantly bored and constantly moving to more extreme things. I think the holodeck is going to be the same way, where there's probably nine-foot-tall blue women with, like, you know... People get to do their centaur porn uh, That's fantasies, what I'm talking finally. about, yes. There's a lot of, like... Yeah. I'm <laughs> a, talking about furries. I'm talking about furries. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about pegasexuals. I'm talking about, like, all types I'm, of, like... <laughs> yeah, tentacle-fucking anime shit. Yeah, hentai stuff. Yes. <laughs> I'm talking about some gross shit. Yeah. Right. And that, that probably makes them more and more, just like we're seeing with uh, Incel Alt... That makes the World War One. Uh, uh, a flying ace program <laughs> seem awfully Pollyannish. It's not Tijuana <laughs> Bibles. No, it's uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. We're gonna fight Jerry's a t- couple of French girls. No, it's not that. Yeah, I mean, I want to think that we would use the power for good. You know, we could. They have such lifelike holodeck. We could train people to be sensitive to like people. But no, no, that that is not the trajectory that we're on I think right that's now. What, I mean, I, that's what. That's what your girlfriend probably wants (laughs) then because then you move to the next level and then you're like, or is it all just so satisfying to everyone, women and men included, that the concept of sexual pleasure with a non-hard light manufactured construction is just like non-existent? I mean, I think that's... Like we get together, we get together to procreate, but our sexual pleasures are now all derived from these artificial right well i think that's i mean we keep going back to the trekonomics book you know just the uh i mean he's got yeah the technological advances and everything is not enough you have to change people's outlook you have to change people to really get to the full experience of what the trek future is it's not just post-scarcity you have to Mm -hmm. so it's the same way like we like what the trajectory we're on now, it's all gonna be like fuck bots that, with no consequence. But it would require like some sort of Antonio Gramsci cultural yeah, hegemony if you to de- actually develop a culture, the that, nature of humanity. Because I mean, I think people want mm-hmm. connection to other people. 
And if, you know, if you change culture enough to where that's incentivized enough, you could have the technology support that. That's just not where we're at right now. Yeah. yeah. We're not, we're not ready for the technology. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's still, our man Bashir is a Pandora's box of sexual holographic questions. <laughs> it certainly it is. It was a, yeah. I do, I do feel, I do feel justified after like, once I went and listened to the episode uh, when it dropped and I was like, oh my God, I'm talking forever about this. It's like half the episode we're talking about. It's one of the more interesting aspects of it, I guess. Yeah, and then like it got, we got, we got two calls and right off the bat on it. So I guess it was. Yeah, we've been, our calls have died, our quality calls have died off, but like, come on people. Step up yeah. your game. I think we just did tonight. But, but no, but this was uh, this was uh, talk about a little bit of sex in a hollow suite, and that really got the brains moving. I think that this was. I mean, I I, I couldn't stop thinking about it in the episode, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, as as was evidenced by how long I talked about. Yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> all, right. all right. Well, is that all we have for this week, Wade? That is all we got. Awesome. Uh, do you want to give out the number and we'll... All right, yeah. Um, yeah, so if you want to give us a call and talk about teledildonics or anything else, mm-hmm. give us a call at 917-408-3898. Or, like, uh, these were two international viewers. Uh, you can record your own and send it to us at rulesofacquisitionpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we engage people on Twitter a lot. Some people don't feel like calling or doing it. Mm-hmm. They've done engage us there at Acquisition Pod. Check out our other podcast, A Discovery Home Companion, which you can guess when things will really pick up with that podcast. It's about Star Trek Discovery. Although we do have two episodes out already, right? Yes, we do. Yeah, we have. Go and send us your predictions on that also at 917-408-3898. And if we get enough, if we get enough quality stuff, we'll fit in an extra episode of that, perhaps, maybe. Yeah, just us taking Yeah, of uh, just feedback and predictions and whatnot. And does anybody else have anything else to pitch or um, if not today, because, you know, we're recording this a little early, if not today, in the next couple of days, my video should be dropping on cultural Marxism and uh, it's long. It's over an hour again. So it's another long video, but it's uh, it's it, I'm pretty proud of it so far unless I fuck it up in the next day. All right. So yeah, that's Forever James's awesome. uh, one word on YouTube. Forever James is on YouTube. Yeah. Find mm-hmm. it through James Nolan. And, and I have through. another one, or you can, and you'll find a link on it on my Twitter feed, which is at James Nolan. So if it's up, I've got comics every day at crimes against humanities.tumblr.com, or you can find it on Facebook by typing in crimes against humanities. So check that out. And like, yeah, like Wade said, check out our Discovery Home Companion. And if you could do us a big solid, if you're a current listener, download the show and leave an iTunes review for Discovery Home Companion. That would really help us at yeah. launch. It would, yeah. please, yeah. We want to beat All those right. Trek FM fuckers. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, thanks again for listening. Uh, we'll see you next week. Three to beam out. Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line? where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes. They will play them on air and try to be nice to you, because one day they hope to sell you Blue Apron snacks and underwear made out of Modal. The number is 917-408-3898. That number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are. That is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. 
James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication we know you love that, again 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.